Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, and I am the CEO of Woodshed Agency. And what do we do at Woodshed Agency? Well, we help project creators raise money in the landscape of crowdfunding, the magical place of free money for your dreams, you know, Kickstarters, Indiegogos, equity crowdfunding. So I'm coming to you actually Tuesday night. It's about nine o'clock at night and I just got done. I've talked a ton today. Mom, I'm tired. I'm sitting up at the office at 9 p.m. I just got done doing an hour and a half long seminar or teaching on how to start your own podcast that just went really well over on Discord. Um, yeah, we just ran, I had a meetup. So, but I'm sitting here and, you know, I had the computer all packed up and I picked it back up. To, to, to record this intro because I was going to record it tomorrow and I figured I might, while I'm here, I might as well knock it out even though I'm, I'm exhausted. But the re- one of the big reasons I wanted to chat, um, well, first of all, before I get into that, let's talk about who's on, on today's guest. Um, so we're going to be talking about a really, really cool product, right? Yes, we are. We're going to be talking about Nature Dry, uh, the new Nature Dry jacket by the company Wooly, uh, and that's W O O L L Y. We're going to be talking to James Kelly. He's one, he's one of the creators. Him and uh, a couple of other partners, and we're going to be talking about this wool all weather jacket. And when I say wool, what's in your mind is not what these jackets look like. Um, it threw me for a ton too. And and in this conversation, um, they've got twenty three days to go. And they're sitting, and they had a goal of 50 grand, and they're at $280,000. So, this is a monstrous campaign. Um, and there's a lot to unpack in it. So, that conversation, like I said, is coming up here in, in just a little bit. But for myself, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tired right now. Um, you can, might be able to hear it in my voice, I'm assuming. Um, I had a rough night last night. I woke up, well, I didn't wake up, but my wife woke me up, um, kind of pulling me. Uh, or shaking me up because I uh, I had a monstrous monstrous nightmare last night, um, and some of this stuff may sound a little uh, a, little, a little out there for some of you. It might be, uh, but my dream uh, I'll just tell you what it is, and then I'll tell you what I went and diagnosed it with. Um, so about about three days ago, I had a really intense dream involving my dad talking to me. Um, and if you're a regular listener, you know how he passed away, uh, in, in middle of February. Uh, so some stuff's been happening just in, in dreamland basically right now. So I, I had a dream about three days ago of us, uh, up North at our cottage up in Frankfurt. Um, and it was a weird dream about us. Uh, um, uh, we were at like a doctor's appointment and my whole family was there, even my grandpa. So his dad, who's also passed away, was there. Um, so very, very vivid dream. I woke me up and it just shook me because in the dream right at the very end, he talked to me about, um, how much he misses playing golf. Um, and I, 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 I literally said back to him in this dream, I miss it too, man. Um, and then I woke up and that was at like, like eight, you know, seven in the morning, whatever. The dream last night though, for me, really rocked me. I mean, it's rocking me right now. I'm still thinking about it. Um, so the dream last night was Aaron and I were sleeping in a bed in a, in a, in like a hotel type of thing. 
and it looked like this um, soldier was walking around, um, but but as a ghost, clearly dead. And he was kind of like oh, going around our bed, kind of going up to like the the drawers, and he would look over, and he he it was like like black eye, like like almost like raccoon eyes, right? Couldn't really there were really no eyes, and he was just kind of floating around. But whatever this figure was came over and grabbed my arm and was really pulling me. And apparently during this time, I was screaming at the top of my lungs and Aaron was waking me up, shaking me up. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how many you guys believe some of this stuff, but um, it, it, whatever it was, it felt like it went into me or is in me the spirit, something happened. I, I, I had chill. I have chills right now still. I've been getting, I've had chills all morning. And I mean, I'm not talking about just like little, I'm talking about like, uh, I could just, I just got it right now. Um, and I know because I'm talking about it, I'm making myself get it, but to some, well, I think, but whatever happened last night, it was it was pretty monumental. Aaron is a little shaken up by it too because I don't I don't think she's ever seen me reacting this way. I mean, I was out of control screaming, uh, and I don't really know it. I just know what she told me, and I just know the very end of me feeling this. And I and there was almost this feeling of her pulling me and this figure pulling me. So when I woke up. And, uh, and this is like 4.30 in the morning, according to my watch. Um, really droggy. Went out. Wa- well, first, I, wa- I walked around the house for a little bit, I think. I didn't even know what I was doing to some degree. I was just kind of walking around aimlessly. But then I kind of got more awake. I grabbed my phone. I-, I went and I Googled, you know, and there's really n- everything I was Googling around, you know, what happens when you dream about a dead figure, like reaching out and touching you and holding, like grabbing you, grabbing you physically. There really isn't, isn't much about that. Um, everything is about kind of, I don't know. There just wasn't a, um, something for me to, to grasp onto. But the only thing that I did read is, uh, or, or there's a two or three scenarios, uh, of somebody analyzing dreams around, uh, around this kind of topic was if you are dreaming about somebody that has passed, and it's it is a loved one, and you're not seeing that loved one. That could mean that that um, that their soul is uh, tortured, and they're not they're not passing on very easily. They're they're not passing to the other world, and that's the part that's got me really worked up right now. Because, well, two things. The first thing is. Is this going to be something that's reoccurring now in my life if I'm open to these types of things? Uh, is is it my dad? I, I don't know. It, it, so that's one. Second thing is there's also in some of these things that I actually should be open to what happened and not be afraid of it because it could be potentially... This is going to sound so weird, and I don't even, I can't, um, I'm saying it out loud. I can't believe I'm kind of saying it out loud, but maybe I'm a vehicle for this stuff, which 
and I'm not this dude. I don't think this way, but whatever's just happened has been pretty monumental. It's, it wasn't just a dream. It was a physical like altercation. I mean, it feels for as silly as that, like Ghostbusters, the, um, like getter, you know, like, like the, like, uh, it felt like that. It is, it, I can't stress it enough. Um, but I'm struggling with the fact that if this is something that's now starting to become more reoccurring, uh, is it because my, um, uh, I don't know, uh, my dad's a lost soul. That's pretty hard for me to handle at the moment. So... So that's why I'm sitting here at now 9.09, Tuesday night, for the episode that comes out on Thursday, which is when you're hearing this, hopefully on Thursday. I am I am knee-deep in my head right now about stuff. So, yep, 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 yep. So I got that going on. So I don't know. Um, so I don't want to be a total Debbie Downer. Uh, it's just been, it's just, I haven't had anything that vivid I don't think ever happened to me um, in in a dream state. And especially anything of the importance or the magnitude of what it potentially could be. Or, like I said, or on the other side, it's a good thing. And maybe, maybe it is my dad reaching out through somehow. I don't know. I guess none of us really know what happens, right? After when you get to that next level. So uh, who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows. But with all that said, I've been definitely in my own head all day today. Been feeling it and I'm just trying to get through it. And I wanted to capture this tonight while it's fresh as opposed to Thursday when it's a little bit watered down. Cause right now I can't stress it enough. This is some real shit going on in my brain and it's, it's heavy. And, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on around me. So, I'm actually nervous to go to sleep tonight. Like I'm nervous about it. I don't, I don't know where my mind's going and I, I don't know. And it's hard for me to have the, have the openness to be like, no, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. No, no, no. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into playing that, but okay. That's enough of what's going on with me. Um, if you're a regular listener, thank you. Thanks for subscribing. Thank you for checking out uh, our episodes. Um, if you're thinking about running a campaign, before you do that, at least reach out. Go to woodshed.agency. Go to the consultation. Click there. That's my calendar. Pick a time to talk. Um, you at least get some free advice or join the community. Come on over to Discord. We've got a bunch of people over there. We'd love to kind of see what you're working on and see if this might be um, give get you some, some advice or some point in the right direction. Um, but again, make sure you guys leave a review. Make sure you're subscribing if this is your first time. Thank you guys for tuning in. But for right now, why don't we go ahead and, and and turn it up a notch. Let's go talk to James Kelly about Wooly, the company Wooly, and uh, his new um, Nature Dry jackets because this is a really cool product. I can't believe it's made, it's made out of wool. I just I cannot stress it enough. What these guys are doing with fabric is awesome. And this jacket is raising a ton of cash. This might be a half a million dollar campaign when it's all said and done. So it was awesome to talk to James. So I um, hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And um, yeah, here we go.
right, James, the red light is on. So this it's go time here. So let's, I ask all my, uh, my podcast guests this first question. So I'll ask you it as well. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? I'm having it right now. Cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Simple. Now, anything fancy in that coffee? Is it just black? You got any, uh, any creamers in there? I put collagen powder in it. Well, now that's a first. I haven't had that answer. (laughs) Okay. All right. I got coffee and collagen. Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's like the, it's like the new Wheaties, right? Yeah. I know. Everybody's using collagen for everything. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm always shocked at these answers. The last time, my last interview, I was interviewing somebody who actually crowdfunded a breakfast uh, oatmeal. So I was like, oh, she's had to have had her own oatmeal. She's like, no, I I don't eat my own oatmeal. It's like, well, what? What? <laughs> How do you so, not? You know, threw me off. I was like, huh? okay, all right. All right yeah. This, this interview is going to go different. <laughs> so, uh, but cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't you uh, start off by telling my listeners, um, you know, who you are and what your uh, Kickstarter project is right now. Uh, sure. So, yeah, my name is James. I'm, um, I'm one of the members of Woolly Clothing, uh, which is a merino wool-based clothing company. Um, and we have a campaign live right now called the Nature Dry Jacket by Woolly, which is a it's our attempt to make a all weather, all natural jacket. Um, it's 100% merino wool. It's a unique um, fabric fabrication technique where you stretch the wool, um, weave it, and then release it, and it creates a super dense weave that is uh, highly water resistant, really windproof, and um, makes a great jacket. And so we want to replace all the plastic and synthetic jackets in people's closets with wool. Um, I don't think people, you know, a lot of people think about plastic in their lives. They don't use plastic bottles, this and that. They want to use re- reusable water containers. You know, most of the coats people wear are nylon, polyurethane. Um, and uh, I don't think people know about that or think about that. So, um, so yeah, we're trying to trying to change that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So for our listeners who can't see it or haven't been to the page yet, can I kind of walk us through kind of what this looks like, maybe best uses for it so they can maybe get a picture in their mind of it? Sure. So yeah, we have two, we, we launched with two styles and we just added women. So now we have two for men, one for women. Um, and our idea was, you know, it's not really like a technical shell. So you're not trying to replace your coat or your, uh, you know, your Gore-Tex, you know, sort of, super heavy, heavy duty coat. It's a, uh, it's a round town coat. Uh, it's lined. It's, you know, it's pretty warm. Um, it's a, it's a good urban jacket for wearing to work, wearing to the, the grocery store, walking your dog, taking your kids to daycare, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, all of our clothes, you know, really our company's mission or, um, idea is to make every stuff out of Merino, uh, which used to be like really a backpacking and traveling and, sort of technical uh, fabric and we want to make just everyday stuff with it. So hmm. um, you'd wear to the office and to anywhere. Um, and so this coat is sort of just a natural extension of that idea. That's cool. How about like color choices? Like what, what are, what are some of the offerings happening right now? Gotcha. Right now we have black charcoal and a light Heather gray. Um, and we are hoping to go for a blue. If we can get this campaign to get to about $500,000, that's hmm. what our MOQs would require. So, um, we're, we're trying to get for it so we can get, uh, one more cool color. The problem is, is nobody ever black, buys anything except for black and gray. Uh, so anytime we try to make colors like this one, uh, <laughs> they just, <laughs> so, nope, not, have, not doing um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal. I've, I love wearing colors, but, uh, you know, basically customers tell you with their dollars that they just want black, uh, for the years it's kind of, you know, it's what we've ended up making is just a ton of black shirts. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So where, what's sort of the start? Where, where did this idea kind of come to fruition? How long ago? Like what was sort of the, uh, the inspiration to, to start down this journey? For the coat? Yeah, for the coat. Yep. Um, you know, I think it started, you know, we have a wool uh, cut and sew partner in China and then they work with Woolmark and Woolmark certified wool uh, suppliers from around the world. And every once in a while, they'll just send us um, new stuff, you know, like, hey, there's this new sample of this kind of fabric, you know, what do you guys want to do with it? Or do you have any ideas? And, you know, 90% of the time it's like, okay, interesting. You know, we don't really have any ideas. It's like really it's for sweaters or sort of typical wool um, applications. And then they sent us this, uh, this new fabric uh, that we ended up with this coat. And we were just kind of like, first of all, it didn't feel anything like wool. It feels kind of like canvas or like a, a lightweight denim you know it just i couldn't believe yeah. that it was wool i, th- I think that's actually it, like it like when you keep saying wool it almost it, it creates in my mind something that i you go to the page and you're like nope that's that's not wool it yeah is, no it's, yeah it's, it's interesting the videos don't like even when i look at the video still i'm just like it's weird that that's wool like especially yeah. you know because i wear wool every day um you know it just kind of it still weirds me out but you know we got fabric we were playing with it and then we put it under the faucet and it just you know it's like Gore-Tex, you know, water runs right off it. So um, we just kind of sat there for a while thinking like, we got to do something with this. This is the coolest thing we've seen in a while. And so we, we thought about pants, we thought about shoes, we thought about backpacks. And, um, we eventually landed on jackets as kind of the most effective way to bring it to market, um, more in line with our company. And so it took us about a year to go from idea to Kickstarter ready prototype. And that was in March. And uh, we were going to launch the day, two days before we declared a state of emergency in the U.S., <laughs> our original launch date. So we kind of had to re, uh, reorient things around that and ended up launching a few weeks ago. That's cool. So, um, so what happens, you know, now that you, you, you've kind of spent that time with that fabric and, and, and you're, you, you, you want to do the jacket because it's, you know, it's in line with your brand, what starts mm-hmm. the process for your company? Is it sketching, drawing, just making stuff? Like what starts to happen in terms of making, I guess, like a prototype? You know, most of it starts with, um, we start with just conversations about what niche we want to go after. Mm -hmm. So like our whole business model is be in areas where there's no competition kind of thing. Um, That's pretty common technique for people who do sort of direct-to-consumer stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... You know, that was one reason why we took wool towards the like everyday thing. Cause there's already a ton of companies that do wool for climbing or base layers or, you know, a bunch of other applications. And so we really wanted to look out there and see uh, you know, where were there not great all weather, all natural options. Um, and it seemed to us like it was the sort of all day, everyday, you know, replace the Patagonia or the uh, Columbia kind of um, plastic shell that most people wear, mm-hmm. you know, to work in. I think there's, uh, you know, there's like kind of the corporate uniform, <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyway, it's kind of like jeans and a rainproof coat because it rains nine months of the year here. So, right. um, I just wanted to replace what we saw every day, um, which is, which is that kind of style of jacket. When you're putting together sort of, and I, it sounds like you're kind of putting together like a buyer persona to some degree, bef- mm-hmm. and this is happening sort of before your starting to sketch, starting to really think about, um, you know, I guess diving in maybe even deeper, maybe a better, better word, better way to describe it. So like, what are you standing back and imagining that buyer looking like, and how would you like maybe coaching a, a startup company to think about that buyer persona? Cause I think it's a crucial, crucial step that a lot of people miss 
And obviously you guys have yes. done a good job with it, but what are you kind of thinking in their mind, like age, what they read, what, what are you thinking about when you're putting that together? I think Wooly is easy for us because um, the three people who started this company are basically in many ways, our own buyer persona and so are our friends. Um, and so there's kind of a, you know, it's not tough to get into the head of our customer because we kind of are our customer. It all started many years ago, me and, uh, Mike, one of the co-founders, we both got wool underwear for Christmas and we were just like sitting around drinking beers and started talking about our underwear. And I was like, you're not going to believe this underwear I got. And he's like, I got the same thing. <laughs> came from. Um, but you know, to like really kind of get towards designing and, you know, nuts and bolts of a new product, um, you know, our first step is always kind of, we just look around the market, you know, we Google all of the brands that you see everywhere. Uh, we'll tend to buy a whole bunch of um, coats, you know, so we'll just buy six, seven, eight, nine, ten different brands of coats. We get them all in the office. We tear them apart. We see what we like. We sort of critique fit and feature and function and, and everything. And, um, you know, you almost kind of um, um, Frankenstein together your own coat. Um, mm. Just, you know, inspiration of what you know, what you like, um, you know. They're also, we tend to bring coats from home. It's like, hey, if we're going to make a coat, everybody bring your favorite coat from home that you wear all the time. We'll kind of break that down. And, um, you know, so it's a lot of inspiration. You know, it's it's clothes. So there's not a whole lot of new stuff you can do. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's just pulling the best features and the best um, aspects from the stuff that you already have. Sure, sure. So after all that process and you kind of have it all narrowed down, what, what do you guys do to sort of Frankenstein that code? Is it something that you guys... So together yourself, is it working with a partner to sort of put together something? Is it just sketching it all out? Like, you know, what, what does it look like at that point? You know, it's, it's different every single time around. Um, for the most part, what we'll do is we kind of end on one style or one, um, I'd say you call it inspiration piece that we really like that we tend to say like, you know, it's basically going to be this backbone of a coat and then it's going to be this 10 different parts of it. And we'll take a bunch of those and we have uh, pattern making partners basically with our cut and sew facility and we'll send it to them and they deconstruct it, reconstruct a pattern out of it, changes that we request, um, you know, customize everything that we want as far as length and um, fit and finish and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we just cycle the prototype um, game from there, you know, so they'll send us one we say yes, no, maybe so to a bunch of different things and you keep going and you keep going until you get something you really like. How long, how then, long does that process usually take? Like, like, is it three or four, five or six? Does it take a ton? Is it, you know, you mentioned it's about a year to get to a prototype for Kickstarter, but. Yeah. You know, I'd say every once in a while, it's like one and done. <laughs> you know, you get the prototype in the mail and you're like, oh my God, they nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then every once in a while, it's like 12 rounds. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's all over the place. I think it's, it's hit or miss, I think. And I don't know exactly why that is. I think. If I had to guess, I think it's because the you know, the guys we work with, the people they also work with, you know, they make a lot more X than Y. And so, the, you know, if we send them pants and it's the first time, you know, they're used to making shirts and underwear, mm. um, you know, then they have a lot to learn as far as how pants work. Um, sure. And so certainly some, and also the longer we're in business with them, you know, they know how we like our shirts to fit and work. And, you know, shirts now basically like we come up with a new shirt style and it's almost always just done. Mm. Mm. Um, and we something new like this coat. Um, you know, that takes a year, it takes three, four rounds. Sometimes we go and visit them and spend a week just doing like quick prototyping rounds where we'll give them a bunch of feedback, wait 24 hours, see another prototype. And so it's, uh, it's a little bit of everything, but, um, 
it can take months, you know, easily. And what, and in that process, what is it that you're looking for or your team's looking for to say, like, we, we got it. We're good. This mm-hmm. is, we want to move forward. Is there, is it just something that you just kind of naturally feel or, or, you know, what, what are you thinking about at that point? You know, I think the big thing with us is that we, it's just fit and look. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of faith in our fabric and the sort of technology of our, mm-hmm. of Marine and, you know, what that, you know, why it's good and why people like it. Um, but we really kind of, you know, we have a hardcore audience of, you know, active, but urban, you know, these people that kind of straddle a lot of worlds, they want to go hiking, but mountain biking. And they also want to go out to restaurants and go to work and, you know, looking for garments for everything or they're traveling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever bag traveling. Yeah. Reno's really mm-hmm. big in that world. Yeah. Where it's okay. like you know, bring one shirt that can do everything for 30 days that you could possibly think of. And so, you know, we think of these really versatile garments. And so, you know, our big thing is trying to make sure it's, it works for a wide range of people. So uh, like, I'm really tall. I'm six, five. Um, my co-founder Mike is like six foot. Um, and our other co-founder, Chris, you know, he's a different height and but we all wear large and we all have different frames. And so, you know, I'm really obsessive about, um, you know, does it look good on all of us? You know, like right. if we can't all wear large and it looks good, then we know we're probably not going to look good on some aspect. There's some segment of our customers. So uh, we try really hard to make sure that our stuff is um, as versatile as possible within the limited size range you get. Cause yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what gets you repeat customers. You know, like for me personally, I find one pair of pants I like and I buy and pairs of them. So right. we can really nail that, that fit and feel. Yeah, that's cool. So what's your background? Like, how did you get into designing clothes and making products like this? You know, um, I worked at Amazon um, back in the early 2010s. Um, and so when I started there, uh, I actually started working in the third-party marketplace group. And um, it was really common to have side hustles selling on Amazon. Um, so I saw people doing that and I got inspired and I wanted to start a company. And so I called up my buddy and we started a, another clothing company. Um, and then we started Wooly and, you know, beyond kind of knowing the nuts and bolts of how Amazon worked, we didn't know anything else. And we just kind of figured it all along <laughs> all out as we went. Um, and so, um, you know, I think we've been lucky to have really awesome manufacturing partners along the way, you know, people that'll work with us and, you know, we lean a lot on their expertise. Um, and then we kind of, we kind of just, you know, you make it work, you Google stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of, of Googling. Of yeah. <laughs> a lot of Googling. There's a lot of good resources, a lot of just problem solving. So, and, you know, it just kind of started from uh, learning about Amazon and learning the, you know, how e-commerce worked kind of mm-hmm. fundamentally, just kind of wanting to do something in that world. And this is uh, your second campaign, correct? Your second Kickstarter? Yeah, second Kickstarter. And how many products does, um, does Wooly have uh, in the market right now? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think I think we're approaching something like fifty, might be over fifty different styles now, um, mm-hmm. between men's and women's and outerwear and uh, accessories and stuff like that. But we started with just underwear back in 2012, and I've just sort of continually expanded over the years. Um, but yeah, I think we're around fifty styles, and um, we sell only on Amazon and our own website and Kickstarter. Okay. Um, yeah. How how do you, as a company, then uh, decide what products should use a Kickstarter or shouldn't? Like, like, how do you guys internally decide stuff like that? 
you know, we basically only when we need to, like we couldn't have afforded to make this jacket um, with our own capital or even probably with capital we'd be able to finance. Um, and so, you know, we had the idea for the jacket. We did all the design. We kind of got to the point of understanding how much it was going to cost. Wool is a really, really expensive base material. Um, so, you know, making a, a line of wool t-shirts, you know, there's a ton of t-shirt companies out there that'll do, you know, screen print this, screen print that, but, um, a, a cotton blank is like a buck 50, um, a wool blank is like nine bucks. Um, so it just costs a whole, whole lot yeah. to, to start anything new with wool. Um, and so for Kickstarter, we see it as a huge opportunity to help, you know, get people, um, aware of and supporting the brand, but we also absolutely you know, for big things like this, um, where it takes a big, huge MOQ, it's a whole new type of production for us. You know, we we just absolutely need the help. Mm, that's cool. Well, let's flip over to the actual Kickstarter because we actually haven't even mentioned why we're talking right now. So um, with 27 yeah. days to go, you're sitting at about 255000 which when this airs next week, it'll it'll be higher. Um, a lot of back, yeah, <laughs> over, over 1,100 backers, so a lot of backers. Um, so what starts the process... As, um, for you guys to know that you want to use Kickstarter and, and what starts the conversation around, all right, what do we, what do we now need to launch this on Kickstarter prototypes, content? What, what are you mm-hmm. starting to put together? Uh, well, we, excuse me, you know, you said it's our second campaign. We, we did that first one to launch what we call the long haul pant about a year and a half ago. And that was kind of our, our foray into like would Kickstarter work for our brand? Mm-hmm. We thought, probably would. Um, so that kind of, you know, the success there kind of just started on mind spinning of like, okay, great. Like we have these big product ideas now. They don't have to be pie in the sky. Kickstarter is our way to, to get, um, you know, because things like those pants or this coat, like it honestly would take us two years of um, saving up profit to try and fund this stuff. So mm-hmm. Kickstarter lets us kind of accelerate those, you know, kind of more innovative um, product vehicles. Um, and so once that happened, we started, you know, our mind started spinning of like, we just got to keep looking for like, what's the next big thing that we wouldn't have done for five or 10 years, um, that maybe we can do sooner now that we have Kickstarter in our toolkit. So, um, so that's kind of like where the impetus for the jacket came from. Um, and that's, you know, now our brain is spinning. We got the next two or three already kind of spooled up. We're working on them. And once you realize the Kickstarter works as well as it does, and it's, you know, it's so powerful for small business. And, um, you know, we weren't sure how things were going to go with, you know, the state of the world right now. I mean, it's just, you know, everything's uncertain. We had no clue. We thought, you know, maybe we launched and we'd have crickets. Um, but it's, you know, it's still been successful and people are still, you know, good reception. Um, so it kind of gives us faith that it's this sort of more durable model for us to, to keep trying new things. Now, uh, um, so this question, I'm, I'm assuming a little bit, but did did you guys uh, adjust your video content because of the pandemic? Because I like the video starts with you kind of talking about small business and and this new climate. Was that a, was that a pivot that you guys made? Bef- you know, when you delayed your launch. Yeah, for sure. You know, we spent about a month, like five or six weeks, I think, sort of trying to like just keep an eye on the market and be like, does this even make sense to try right now? Um, and once we kind of decided, okay, like maybe we'll go for it. We just, our original video opening was just, just like real pump up, like jackets are cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Marina yeah. was great. And I was like, that doesn't feel quite right. You know, it's yeah. like, you gotta, I think you gotta at least say something, mm-hmm. um, you know, to just 
I don't know. It's just, you know, it's an elephant in the room. I don't think it can go unsaid. So yeah, we definitely, um, we definitely pivoted a little bit to just say something, but you know, we, we didn't want to make it all about that. Um, right. you know, life must go on. Um, so yeah, we did, we did change a little bit. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a strong move on my end. It's, it's one of the best pivot or well, pivot may be the wrong word, but you know, adjustments that, uh, that I see happening and, and, and it doesn't really take away. It's not like you dragged it out for three minutes or, you know, it was a, it wasn't even like a sob story. It was just like, Hey, here, here's a fact. And we're doing this. And yeah. I think the other thing that was, um, uh, intriguing and, and I want to talk about a little around the, the fine line you guys walk with humor and seriousness in your videos too, because I think that that's a, a lot of companies come to us and they're like, we want to be funny in our video. We want, you know, we want everything to be funny and it's, yeah, we, we've seen the purple pillow ads and we've seen you know, the squatty potties, but like you guys did a really mm -hmm. good job of sort of walking that fine line. Is that something you guys are conscious about of having a little bit of sense of humor in some of your marketing aspects? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, it's three guys working in a garage. That's, you know, sometimes four. Um, and you, you just sit around and joke all day and, you know, it's a pretty lighthearted place. And so I think all of us kind of want some of that in what we do, uh, both in our product copy and our you know, web page and our email and everything and our social media. And so, you know, when we sat down and wrote our video script, you know, our natural instinct is to just crack jokes and make fun. Uh, you also realize a lot of the stuff that's funny with four people that spend all their time together, you know, doesn't play too well to us. So you kind of have to, you yeah. know, it's just you write a script, you sit on it for a week, you read it again. And you know, like, oh, it's not that funny. And then I think our big thing for us is that we do want it to be funny, but we also, you know, it's kind of hard to, you need a lot of external input. So we're pretty aggressive about um, throwing it out to really diverse audiences, you know, friends, 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 stuff like mm -hmm. that to get feedback. Like, you know, does this make sense? Um, is it too inside baseball? Um, you know, is it actually funny? Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> joke that we've told each other so many times that you know we've lost context so right. yeah we we thought about that it's definitely part of the strategy of, of making good content yeah that's cool so um was there any metrics that you guys were hoping to hit um in the pre-launch phase was it like an amount of emails you wanted to hit or the amount of people kind of getting pixeled on facebook was there anything that you guys were looking for data wise before you hit the launch button because i and we all know pre-launch is, is such an important factor was there anything that you guys were kind of we want to really hit this amount of emails or anything along those lines. Right. You know, we don't, we didn't do any of that. Okay. <laughs> that was, um, I actually, you know, I did a lot of research on pre-launch activities and um, we have a pretty strong mail list from our own website and from our own right. customer uh, segment, also from our previous Kickstarter. And so, you know, in my mind, I sort of, we made a call to just focus all our energy on, building a great campaign and figured that our existing customer, uh, our existing customers would just basically carry the day. Um, cause I've read a lot about the pre-launch stuff and how important it can be, but I've also read a lot about how you can invest a bunch of money, time and effort and you, you know, send emails to 200,000 people and 50 convert. Um, right. so, um, you know, I think like I said, small team, you kind of really want to just invest in things that feel like they're super high potential of paying off. And, um, we felt like putting all our effort into making a really good video and campaign and all the rest of it was probably the right way to go instead of doing a huge upper funnel email gathering mm -hmm. exercise. So, so that's what we did. Gotcha. Gotcha. And has there been anything that stuck out in this campaign, maybe from the last campaign that you maybe you weren't expecting? Is there a country that's supporting you a lot or, you know, has there been anything that's just been kind of, wow, I wasn't expecting that. 
Um, you know, honestly, I just, I wasn't expecting it to be this successful. <laughs> I was, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty unsure of how things would, would work, you know, with everything going on, just especially because the rest of our sales channels, um, you know, are certainly really far down from mm-hmm. expectations for this time of year. Um, so I think just the kind of overall success has been a, you know, very nice surprise. Um, what else? I'm trying to think if there's anything that's kind of been you know, a big kind of standout surprise. I think, um, you know, I think if anything, we've, you know, we've been struggling to kind of make social ads, the work, uh, the payoff there, mm-hmm. uh, work out. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to have an, you know, a final verdict on that until the campaign's over and we try a few more things We're we're sort of trying some new stuff right now. Um, yeah, I think in the past it's been, it's been kind of the easy route to kickstart success, throw a ton of money at Facebook and Instagram ads. Right. It seems like that might not be quite the, uh, the simple equation that it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you as somebody who is in that world all day, it is not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and as soon as I feel like I got something that's working, it changes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, it is next to impossible to scale that, that stuff right now. It, it, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I work out it all day. It'll work for a little bit and, yeah, well, and then it just kind of figures out. Yeah, I'm like high fiving everybody. I'm like, we got it, man. Really good week. Something changed. I don't know. I didn't touch anything, but it changed. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that's their whole business model, though. Uh, the uh, Facebook uh, does. Yeah, that's what. It's, yeah, <laughs> pay more money, spend more money, figure it out. Uh, uh-huh. Well, well, you know, with 27 days to go, what is sort of the uh, mindset around? you know, scaling this thing up even more, keeping it going. Like, like what, what's what's happening behind the scenes to keep the energy up? Um, good question. We are spending a lot of time thinking about that right now. Um, we actually went with a longer campaign to kind of give ourselves a little more time to try different things this time around. You know, 30 days goes really fast. Yeah. Um, when you have, you know, for our first campaign, it just felt like it was you know, over in a flash. And so um, right now we are trying to spinning up two new social agencies. Um, so we're kind of and we've never used them in our previous campaign. So both of those are new for us. Um, we've never used uh, two agencies concurrently. It's always been sort of an exclusive one-on only right. situation. Um, we're going to try some new backer lists. Uh, you know, none of the stuff is too revolutionary. We did do a, um, one thing I, I built for this campaign, which we didn't do before is we built a whole social referral um, campaign. So basically anybody who, creates a link and shares it and gets someone to back. It's $20 for every person that um, backs based on their share. Yep. Um, we've, we've put that out there a lot. It's driven some traffic, but not a whole lot. So I, I want to kind of <laughs> at 30 days of trying to make that thing work. <laughs> Took a lot of effort to spin up. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. it, it pays off. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we haven't really yet pulled the PR trigger in any way. Um, so, even being on your podcast is the first step into that direction and investigating some other sort of big, um, you know, PR ish kind of things, you know, I don't know if there's sure. other podcasts you can maybe get it on or sponsor or, um, you know, influencer type marketing. We haven't had big success with that in the past, but, um, might be looking to try that in a different way. Um, instead of, you know, less micro influencer, more macro. Right. Um, it's a little hard right now. Just, you know, with everything, with the social, you know, trying to figure out if there's going to be a return on investment on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of just have to take your shot and see what happens. Um, yep. So 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we have left. Gotcha. So after this campaign ends and you've got the two weeks before all the money starts to drop and you start to, you know, start these next processes, what starts happening to get uh, the coats in backers hands? What, what do you guys start doing? Yeah. So the biggest priority for us, um, is we got to get surveys out quick, um, so that we can get final counts for manufacturing to our, uh, manufacturing partner because wool in general, a very, very long time to produce. So we have about a five month, six month lead time on mm-hmm. garment production. Um, so for us to deliver for winter, which we really want to do. Um, and you know, that's our current campaign promise. Um, this campaign ends in late May. We got to get those unit counts uh, over to our factory like as soon as possible, you know, right. early June, so that we have a chance of getting those things to, you know, because then we have a whole fulfillment process that takes, you know, three to four weeks um, on the back end. So, mm-hmm. you know, actually, it feels like a, a huge, you know, huge rush, you know, like <laughs> right. Q4 June kind of thing for us, you know, with this campaign. So, um, you know, it's a huge priority to get, you know, the data we can to get manufacturing going because they got to order fabric. Fabric takes a really long time to produce and, and die and then everything else that comes after that. So that's priority number one for us. How do you handle for a product like this? How do you handle fitting for people and re- like returns through a Kickstarter? I, I, I've worked on a couple like shoe campaigns and stuff that they can, mm-hmm. it can get out of control quickly um, with you know yeah. people not doing measurements. How do you guys sort of handle that? You know, I'd say we, we learned a lot of lessons from our last one, which is pants. <laughs> um, we ended up with like 66 different size combinations, you know, with uh, right. and, uh, length and, like, honestly, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost killed me. Um, and so because of that, we went very simple in sizes this time. Uh, we're not offering any customization. Um, you know, we kind of, we realized, or I did some analysis in the last one that we bent over backwards to try and get everybody in the door on our campaign. And, you know, you realize that I think it was like 89% of our backers came from 17% of the size selections. Wow. Um and so, you know, it became very clear, very quick um, that you just, you spend all your effort, all your time, you know, to just get 10 more people in the door. It's just, you know, as much as we want to get everybody, you know, a garment if we can, it's just, you can't do it. So right. um, really simple this time around. Um, we're fortunate enough that we have a long history of selling shirts and jackets and hoodies. And so we have sizing on that stuff pretty dialed. Um, and so, um, so it's less of a, a huge concern. We, we still have some, some things to, to dial in and, you know, we're, we're not quite final on design, but, um, and then, you know, the, the whole process of exchanges, we kind of realized that international exchanges for size, uh, is impossible. Yeah. Um, you go bank really quick trying to ship stuff for the world for people that, you know, want a 32 instead of a 34 for their pants. And so, right. um, we made a really clear re- uh, return and exchange policy this time that we can only really handle it for us backers. Um, because that's where all our inventory sits, you know, so we're happy to, uh, if it makes sense, it just, you know, it often doesn't make sense to ship things all over the world um, a second time. So right, right. Uh, kind of had to be, I think we just simplified everything this time around, you know, yeah. we, I think the first, we're just excited. We want to do everything for everybody. And we realized that doesn't make sense. So yep. uh, we're yep. not, yeah, it's tough on the business, tough on the business. So yeah. what does this like next 24 months look like? Is this a product that you see um, obviously going to your, uh, Shopify or Amazon? Is it going to that route? Is it making more of it? Is there a version two? Do you see yourself making more coats? Like what does the next you know, couple of years look like? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, basically the way this all works is that we 
make all the Kickstarter runs, uh, and then we get overage on that that we then turn into our sort of standard for sale on Amazon and our website inventory. I think the big question for us and also for this coat was, you know, this is the most expensive thing we've ever sold as a brand. Mm. Um, and so sort of seeing what our customer thinks about that price point, uh, you know, was another sort of question mark going into this campaign. And I'd say it's been well-received. And so I think we still have a question mark of, can we sell that on our website and on Amazon? You know, Amazon is not historically for us been a place for high dollar point items to sell well. Uh, but our website, um, you know, we have more power on our website, more customers on our website all the time. So I think we have a big experiment kind of internally to see, you know, can we switch from $50, $60 shirts to $250 to $300 coat? Right. And if it works this time around, then, um, then for sure, we really want to, you know, keep going because we do think it's a really cool technology. It's, it's stuff I wear it every day. You know, like I would love to keep this in my life, <laughs> but ultimately... <laughs> tell us uh, what will work and what will won't or what won't work. So, um, so we'll see what happens. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, I've been ending my podcast with a series of questions that because of the, uh, you know, all of us being stuck inside. So I'll, uh, if, if you got time for it, I'll, I'll give you a couple of uh, lightning round type questions here. Um, Shoot. so my first one is, uh, what have you been watching on uh, the old TV there? Oh man. Uh, I just finished watching Waco. Oh yeah. And that's on our list for the, yeah. Was it good? Yeah, it's really good. And I've been watching Mindhunter. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and Ozark. So I guess I've been watching nothing but dark shows. Now that yeah, we, well, we, we just finished yeah. Ozarks, and I think Waco is next on ours because Ozark was just like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty it was an rough. Intense one. Yeah, there was, a, there, was a, there was a few nights where we watched an episode, and I was like, I, I got to watch like something really light because my anxiety... Like, I'm just like, oh my God, what, what, did, what did I just watch? Yeah, it's a solid Those show. episodes though. are heavy. Yeah. Yeah, they're really heavy. <laughs> yeah, super heavy. Uh, all right. Uh, how about, uh, are there any uh, uh, movies that you watched? Not TV shows, just maybe movies. What have I, you know, the last movie I rewatched, um, I keep finding myself rewatching like old movies that are you know, like positive nostalgia. So maybe that's where I'm inserting some happiness into my life. I just yeah. watched Singles. Oh, great um, movie. That's a great and, movie. You know, so like I'm, I'm born and raised in Seattle. And yeah. I think a Pearl Jam song came on or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is from the single soundtrack. And then I'm like, we got to watch singles. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I watched yeah. that hey. last night. That's yeah. good. That's a, that's a great movie to go back to. Uh, all right. How about, uh, are there any podcasts you're listening to right now? Obviously outside of mine, but anything else out, out, out there that you're listening to? You know, it's funny. I think yours is actually the only one I've listened to. Nice. Um, I did it. <laughs> I'm not really a podcast guy. I try to be it. I just get through them um and so when you emailed me i watched a few years and so i think honestly i can say that yours is the only one i've listened to nice all right i did it i got That's that one great. person i really enjoyed it cool 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 how about uh how about um are there any books you are you, you reading any books yeah i just started one and it's pretty interesting so far it's called the biography of the dollar okay uh, i've been really into uh you know currencies i'm kind of dabbling in cryptocurrency and that whole uh, world and nice. trying to going to affect our future, especially with the uncertain state of our federal currency and everything that's going yeah. on. So I'm just trying to learn more. It's just a whole book about the U.S. dollar and its history and how it works in the uh, international markets and stuff. So um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, it's worth it. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been, uh, I just jumped into the uh, Discord world because there's a lot of um, uh, virtual currency companies 
that have these big communities on discord, uh, because they can't, they can't run Facebook ads or they can't do marketing on any of the right. social media. So they create these communities on discord. So I joined like one's called Vertcoin, and I'm, so I'm following all these guys to see how to run discords, uh, more effectively for potentially crowdfunding. That's been my big, uh, when I've been locked away. Yeah. Well, I, I work, I work in a lot of equ- in equity crowdfunding. So we've got a lot of CBD companies that are, and I can't do any marketing. So I've got to find new strategies right. to like, where am I marketing? So how can I build a community? Yeah. Um, so I may have to ping you offline. We have a fertilizer company that started in that world and we can't market anywhere and we were trying to figure out what to do with it. So, um, yeah. build a discord. Community. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Awesome. But where can people uh, find out more information? How can they dive in? Obviously outside of the Kickstarter, I'll have all that in the show notes, but where should people kind of dive in and learn about your world? Um, you know, subscribing to our newsletter on our website is the best way we do. Uh, all kinds of deals, everything new that we do is announced there first. Um, and then follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you know, everything fast follows to there. Um, I think it's just facebook.com slash woolly clothing. Um, and our website is www.woolly.clothing. Um, and you know, we try and bring a lot of new stuff to the world all the time. Um, and so, uh, follow us there and you'll see what we're up to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day here. Uh, great, great, great conversation. And I just had some friends look at me in the mirror like I was a zoo animal. So you might have saw me like, whoa. I'm a... <laughs> yeah, because I'm at my office. I'm the only one at my, you know, uh, I only come up here like oh, to it. do these episodes. But, it, you know, the, the windows are open. It's nice out. And I got my friends just staring at me. I was like, hello. <laughs> It's weird. Strange happening here. Yeah, it was cool. All right, James. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and um, great campaign. I I recommend everybody go check it out. I mean, you guys are are absolutely crushing it and you got a lot of time left. And this this has the potential to be a very, very big campaign. So kudos to that and and good luck in the future, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Awesome. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. All right. How about that conversation with James? I told you guys it was an awesome one. This campaign is monstrous. Um, so make sure you guys are following. Um, if you're looking for a jacket, obviously go become a backer. If not, at least do be a gawker backer. Back for a dollar so you guys get the updates and, you can, and watch the progress of this campaign and, and see what this company's doing because they're doing some really, really cool stuff. So um, for everybody else, make sure you guys go over to woodshed.agency, subscribe to the podcast, uh, join our community, read our blogs, you know, if you're getting ready to run a campaign, pick a time to talk with me, either myself or Sean. We'd love to get on a call with you and just, you know, see what's going on and, and offer you some 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 advice and, and things that we've seen over our last decade of doing crowdfunding for uh, for clients. So, all right, we're listening to some Sugar People music. Um, I don't know what song quite yet because I haven't picked it out because I'm not editing this tonight. I'm going to go crash here in a minute. Um, so, hope you guys are enjoying yourself. Hope you guys had a great uh, week and have a great upcoming weekend. Have a great Mother's Day, too. I forgot Mother's Day. Um, all the mothers out there. We'll talk. I'll talk about more mother stuff maybe on uh, on our on our Monday episode. But for everybody else, hope you guys stay safe, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye.